The reading is from Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. Philip and the Ethiopian Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandiki, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they travelled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptised him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus, and travelled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns, until he reached Caesarea. Good morning everyone, and let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would speak to us through your word, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, you don't need me to remind you that we are in the midst of a global pandemic. And on the day of recording this, the stats of these, 18 million cases just on worldwide. Nearly 700,000 people have died. In the UK, it's 305,623 cases and 46,210 people have passed away through COVID-19. Those are are quite shocking statistics. And uh, although we feel that COVID may well have been around in the world before we even heard of Wuhan, generally speaking, we think, don't we, that uh, Wuhan was the hearth and from there it spread uh, and has spread around the globe. Now, as we're going through Acts, we're seeing uh, not the spread of a disease, but something that's actually ultimately 
very, very positive for the human race, the spread of the gospel. Uh, and just as we, we think of the hearth of the, 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 the starting place for COVID-19 to be Wuhan in China, so we know for sure that the spread of the gospel, the hearth of the gospel, the starting point was Jerusalem. And from there it spread around the world. And as we turn to Acts chapter 8 and verses 26 to 40 this morning, we're seeing the gospel spreading further. And it is just possible that the guy who got converted here from Ethiopia was a black guy and possibly the first black guy to get converted in the pages of the New Testament. Now, as we look at this, uh, you see, and uh, my Bible is uh, this little section, for instance, yours probably as well, is headed Philip and the Ethiopian. And when we think of Ethiopia, we think of perhaps Ethiopian Airlines, East Africa, the Horn of Africa. Uh, and uh, But actually, in biblical times, Ethiopia was actually where Sudan is today. More like Central Africa, right in the middle of Africa, centred on Khartoum. And there was this guy who had been from there. We don't know why he'd been to Jerusalem, but he'd been trying to, to worship the Lord there. He'd gone up to Jerusalem. He was on his way home, uh, and he meets this Christian guy called Philip. And it's a great story of the way uh, that this guy gets converted. And uh, what we see here is the gospel is spreading. We're seeing the gospel going to the world. We're seeing the first black guy possibly getting converted. And, uh, and as we see this, we should be rejoicing together of how the gospel is growing now that promise and that's chapter 1 verse 8 that uh, when you have the spirit you will be my disciples uh, in, in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth and in those days they thought that Ethiopia was the ends of the earth you know after Ethiopia you fall off or whatever but uh, this is the gospel going global and as we see here as we look at this now who is the great evangelist who is the great evangelist here? Who is the one who's got a real heart for this? And you could say, well, looking at the pages of Acts, maybe he hasn't been converted yet in Acts chapter 8, but perhaps it was Paul, as we'll see in the next chapter, the great apostle to the Gentiles, who was the great evangelist. Or maybe you think it was Peter, who was the great evangelist, as we see, uh, for instance, on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Or maybe you'd say, no, actually, I rather like this idea of Philip here being the great evangelist in the book of Acts. Uh, we see, see crowds of people and then we see him focusing down to one particular individual being converted and uh, a great example of being a great evangelist. Well, actually, when you read the book of Acts, the, God, the, the, the great evangelist isn't a human being at all. It is, it is obviously clear that the great evangelist is actually God. And that is uh, my first point this morning. The first thing to say is, as the gospel goes global, the evangelist is God. So the gospel goes global and the evangelist is God. Uh, it is God who takes the initiative here. It is God who makes things happen. It is uh, God. Well, look at verse 26 here, for instance. And uh, we read there just in verse 26. Now, an angel of the Lord prompted uh, we're sure from the Lord Almighty said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, that's not a nice road, especially if you're a Jewish person. You wouldn't want to be seen anywhere near Gaza. That's just an unsafe place to be. To, to be on that road at all, not a good place to be. Uh, he's told God takes the initiative. Philip is told and that's where he's going to go. And, uh, uh, and when he goes there, uh, he meets this guy in this chariot. Uh, and, and the spirit says to him, look, go, go, 
go up near the chariot and then uh, engage this guy in this conversation. And uh, uh, when he says chancellor, it is actually someone, in, uh, it's like the chancellor, the guy in charge of the treasury uh, of the Ethiopians. So it's a bit like Rishi Sunak. And uh, I mean, just imagine, just imagine, I mean, this is this is something that isn't just going, this just isn't going to happen. But just imagine saying you're on your bike in central London and as you're cycling along, say, the embankment just by the Thames there uh, and three Jaguars come by and a number of police outriders and so on. And you glance in and just as you go by, uh, you see uh, Richie Sunak in the back of one of the, the middle Jaguar of the three. And for some reason, it doesn't normally happen, but they stopped at some traffic lights. Uh, and then you caught them up and you cycle alongside and you just look down from your bike and you notice that uh, the Chancellor Rishi Sunak is, uh, is, is reading a Bible. He's a Muslim, but he's reading a Bible. And you knock on the window uh, and he glances up and, and then to the shock of the security guys around, he winds down the window and you say, uh, and you say to him, uh, oh, I noticed you're uh, reading the Bible there, Mr. Sunak. Are you um, um, uh, interested? Can you understand what you're reading? And he says, no. How can I unless someone would come and explain it to me? And you say, well, I think I might be able to help. And he says, well, look, leave your bike here. The security guards will look after that. Just jump in. And he opens the door. And there are those security people running from everywhere. And you get in and continue the journey with him and explain to him what the Bible is saying. Now, that's not going to happen, is it, uh, in this day and age? But it happened 2,000 years ago. It happened 2,000 years ago when there was this guy called Philip who was called to go and uh, speak to this guy, uh, this chancellor, uh, who is working with the with the treasury down in Ethiopia, uh, and they had that conversation, and he explained the Bible to him. Now, now that was extraordinary, um, but actually, that's you see here right the way through. Look at verse um, twenty seven, for instance. You see the way God is is orchestrating this. Um, so he meets this guy, the man who gone to Jerusalem to worship. The Lord's at work in his heart already in the first place in verse 27. Verse 29, the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet, because they used to read out loud quite a lot in those days. And then one thing led to another and the guy got converted. But the thing we need to see and remember and understand here is that God is the great evangelist. God is at work here. Okay, God is at work here. God is. So you think who who most wants my friends to be converted? Is it me? Is it my other Christian friends who know them as well? Um, uh, Who is it? Well, the answer to that is actually God has got such a heart for people and wants to see them converted and has acted in history in order they might understand the Christian gospel that they might be saved. God is the one who's got the greatest heart for all people. And, uh, uh, and he works against prejudices of race and class and background and so on. So for this, for instance, for this uh, Ethiopian eunuch, uh, uh, there were race problems. There were race barriers. He was most likely black. Uh, there were uh, religious barriers. He was a eunuch. He'd been mutilated physically. And that was revolting to anyone with a Jewish background in those days. Uh, and uh, he was from a completely different country and uh, 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 and so on. The things, the, the barriers just pile up one, one, one on top of the other. And what we see here is that the Lord brings those barriers down because he wants to see this man converted. He chooses Philip. He directs Philip. He prepares the Ethiopian. He oversees what is going on here. And, uh, and it's extraordinary. There have been great crowds of people, like on the day of Pentecost, and as the, as the Spirit sends the, the Christians out. But here it's focusing down. Now, 
Imagine the Mercedes Formula One team. Just bring it to mind. And Lewis Hamilton, their, uh, their number one driver, and Valtteri Bottas as well, driving for them. And the, the, the Mercedes F1 team apparently have about 1,400 employees. They have 600 working on the chassis of the car. They have 600 working on the engine. And their, their aim is to get two guys, but from a British perspective, Lewis Hamilton, first of all, driving around in circles extremely quickly. Uh, which, of course, the last weekend he was doing, he won the British Grand Prix at Silverstone, uh, reaching speeds of well over 200 miles an hour. It's a very fast circuit at Silverstone. Um, but you see, you've got the great crowds of people, but they're focusing down on just two guys. And from our perspective, on just one, to get Lewis to, uh, Lewis, not that I know him, Lewis Hamilton to, uh, to win the race. Now, uh, what God is doing here in Acts is there are crowds of people, but here we see it just focusing down to one individual, this man, the Ethiopian eunuch, and Philip helping him to hear, to understand, and to respond to the gospel. What do you think God will be prepared to do to save people? Well, the Bible tells us. It's very clear. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, that he gave his only Son. That means giving his Son Jesus to death so that people might believe in him, so that people might have new life in him. That is the length that God will go to because God is the great evangelist and God wants to use us to take the gospel to the world, starting with your next door neighbour, starting with your work colleagues, starting uh, with the person you're at school with, starting with the students who are going to be with you at uni when you start there in the autumn and so on, uh, starting with your team at work, starting with the people on your word, your, off, uh, your ward, your office, your workbench, whatever it will be. God is the great evangelist and normally he uses people like you and me and Philip to bring people to himself. It's wonderful news and a great responsibility and a great joy on our part to be able to do that. Um, uh, if you're willing for God to use you to bring your friends to Jesus, then why not tell him that now? Why not just simply pray now that you would love God to use you to bring your friends, your family, your work colleagues, whoever, the person you meet on the bus tomorrow to Jesus. I heard about a story once about um, a shoe salesman who was sent to rural West Africa uh, and um, he was the idea was that the shoe company was seeking to open up new markets. And uh, but within a couple of days, he he sent an email back saying to him, the situation is hopeless. No one wears shoes here. And they brought him home. And then uh, a few weeks later, they sent out another shoe salesman to West Africa. And uh, within three days, the company back in England had uh, received another email. But this time it was really positive. He said this, situation is fantastic. No one has shoes. Please send all the stock you can. Now, we want to have that positive approach, that willingness to go, that seeing the opportunities and taking the gospel to our friends, to our neighbours, to the people we come across, whoever that will be. But all the while remembering that the, as the gospel goes global, that the evangelist is God. Second thing to say is this. The message is Jesus crucified. The message is Jesus crucified. Now, this passage is not meant to be a manual for evangelization. It's not meant to be a, a training manual telling us how to do it. But it does show us very clearly uh, things, fundamental things, that uh, Philip was uh, 
did as he was talking to this guy from Ethiopia. And, uh, uh, and it does tell us and show us that as the gospel goes global, God normally uses people like you and me. But what are we going to say? What are we going to talk about? I mean, if you're willing to go for God to use you, and I hope that maybe a few minutes ago, a couple of minutes ago, you simply prayed to God, please, Lord, would you use me? If you're willing to, for God to use you, then uh, uh, what do you need to be prepared to do? What do you need to, to brush up on? What would it be that you need to uh, learn uh, to do? Um, what would you need to pray about if you don't feel quite confident in some of these things? And it was Spurgeon actually who said that when you're, you're, you're talking to someone who isn't a Christian, make a beeline for the cross. Make a beeline for the cross, which seems to me a slightly strange thing to say, this little phrase, making a beeline, because, uh, I mean, we've got a lavender plant outside our back door, completely out of control, and there are loads of bees all over the place quite often, uh, you know, most of the time, actually. Uh, none of them fly straight. They go, they're going like this all the time, aren't they? But, uh, but you get the idea. When we're talking about the gospel, we need to go to Jesus and we need to go to cross. Make a beeline if any bees flew straight. And uh, that's what we want to do. We want to talk to them about Jesus and we want to talk to people about the cross. I love verse 35 here. Um, and it says, then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the Ethiopian, that is, the good news about Jesus. It's not the good news about God so much. It's not the good news about the Bible and what a great book it is to read. It's not the good news about how God can resolve our problems and our situations and so on, although he can. It's not the good news about uh, how great our church is, although you could talk about that. But the great thing we need to do is tell them the good news about Jesus. And in particular, what Jesus has done for us when he died for us. So when we're talking to our friends, head, make a beeline, uh, for Jesus and for the cross Jesus crucified. Now, Philip had a head start, obviously, didn't he? The Ethiopian, uh, as we see here, was reading the, the, the book of Isaiah. In fact, he was reading Isaiah chapter 53 and verses 7 and 8. You can see that in verses 32 and 33. And just, just the verse before that, sure, he'd also been reading Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6. We all like sheep have gone astray, each of us have turned to our own way. The Lord has laid on him, that is Jesus, the iniquity of us all. And that is a wonderful explanation of the cross. Could you explain? Could you explain the cross to someone? Someone once said to me on the, when I was in the kind of teenage process of becoming a Christian, uh, he explained Isaiah 53 and verse 6 to me like, like this. He said, look, imagine that is you and God is, is up here and that is you and let this book represent your sin, your wrongdoing. And that separates you from God. Now imagine my left hand is actually Jesus. And what Isaiah 53 verse 6 says, that as Jesus died, it says, We all like sheep have gone astray, each of us has turned to our own way, separated from God. But as Jesus died, the Lord, that is God, has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all or the sin, or the rebellion, or the wrongdoing of us all. As a result, when Jesus died, he was separated from God and paid the price for our sin, and we are now free to be back with God. Now, could you explain that in that way, using a book, or your wallet, 
or something to represent uh, your sin and how that separates us from God. Maybe you want to practice that. Maybe you just want to replay this video and do it better than I've just done it. Maybe you want to do it in front of a mirror or practice with a Christian friend. So you could just simply explain to someone how Jesus' death actually means that we can be reunited with God. Talk about Jesus. And the Ethiopian was wonderfully converted. He was baptized, didn't see that. We don't read that in Isaiah, but they must have talked about other things as well. And, uh, uh, and by the way, if you haven't been baptized and you're a Christian, you must be. Okay? Maybe you're baptized, christened, it's the same thing as a baby. Uh, or maybe you were baptized as an adult. But if you haven't been and you are a Christian, uh, then please talk to me about that. You really must be baptized. It's a command of the Lord Jesus. So uh, the gospel goes global. The evangelist is God, the first point. Second point, the message is Jesus crucified. And the third thing, very obviously, very simply, you'll find Jesus in the Bible. You'll find Jesus in the Bible. Um, uh, Verse 35 again here. And uh, Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Maybe you'll think, actually... What I want to do this week, I'd love to read uh, a gospel, uh, read uh, Matthew or Mark or Luke or John. Maybe read three chapters a day or something and, and you could get through uh, a gospel this week. It doesn't matter which one you choose, uh, but why not read a gospel, an account of Jesus' life? Uh, maybe there are things that you'd like to memorise, particular verses that you could talk to people so you can so you can say more about Jesus. You can think, oh, well, actually, in Luke's gospel, this or, or whatever. So you can you could refer people to particular things that the Bible says. Maybe you want to take your your uh, understanding of the Bible more seriously. This autumn there are SGP courses coming up. Why not sign up for one of those? There's the one on Tuesday. If you're free on Tuesday. I can't think of a better way to spend a Tuesday. But we also have Saturday morning courses in various different locations. Uh, The SGP, by the way, is the Sussex Gospel Partnership, and they do tremendous Bible teaching. Uh, And you can can plug into these, and it will really help you to understand the Bible better and to be able to be more confident in talking to people about Jesus. So uh, uh, keep on keep on working hard to grow in your understanding of the Bible, uh, grow in your confidence and help you to be confident when you talk to others about Jesus. Why have you taken your foot off the gas a little bit maybe during lockdown? So easy to, isn't it? You know, homeschooling children and uh, endless Zoom meetings and just that jockeying for broad for the broadband in your house and uh, just feeling exhausted, uh, zoomed out and and, uh, and all the rest of it. It is difficult, isn't it? But why not take the opportunity to get back on track? Why not take that opportunity to do a little bit more Bible study, not just reading, but a bit of study as well, to delve down and read through uh, chunks of the Bible, maybe to, to, to look at uh, one of Paul's letters, for instance. Look, why not read Ephesians carefully and slowly, but just read it through? Uh, and why not make sure you have the Bible with you all the time? Uh, on your phone. There are plenty of free apps or in your pocket so that you can refer to it. And uh, I mean, what would happen if we, I found this actually, what, what would happen if we treated uh, our Bibles like we do our mobiles? What would happen if we treated our Bibles the same way we treat our mobiles? What if we carried it with us at all times? What if we flipped through it when we're bored? What if we turned back to get it if we forget it? What if we treated it as if we couldn't live without it? What if we gave it to our children as a gift? What if we took it away with us on a holiday? What if we used it in emergencies? 
What if we treated ourselves to a new one every six months and gave the old one away? What if we treated the Bible as it really is? The Word of God. Well, have the Bible with us all the time. The Bible goes global. The Lord really wants us to join in, you know. And uh, not just as a one-off. It's interesting when you look at what happened with Peter here in verse 39, uh, with Philip rather, in verse 39. And uh, uh, when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch didn't see him again but went on his way rejoicing. It's not necessarily uh, the case that that was something supernatural. It could have been, but it's not absolutely have, doesn't absolutely have to be. Um, and then Philip is there and uh, he's found in... Um, uh, Azotus, that's up on the coast, travelled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea, that was where the Roman governors lived, and uh, we don't hear about him for another 20 years. But when we do next hear about him in the book of Acts, it's lovely, because he's got four daughters, and they're all Christians, he's been bringing up a Christian family, uh, and he will have been continuing his Christian life and ministry, although perhaps nothing quite so uh, dramatic as what happened on that road uh, down to Gaza with the Ethiopian eunuch. So the gospel is going global. And as we remember this passage, let's just re- simply remember the, these three things. First, that the evangelist is God. Second, that the message is Jesus crucified. And third, that you'll find Jesus in the Bible. So let's pray together. Father, please help us to join in with this. Thank you for this great account of this uh, Ethiopian and the gospel going global, the gospel getting to the middle of Africa by the time he got home. And uh, Lord, we rejoice in that together today. And please help us uh, to join in. And as we do so, to remember that the the message is Jesus crucified and we'll find Jesus in our Bibles. So please, Lord, help us to take you, our Lord Jesus, and our Bible seriously. And please, Lord, help us to be willing to speak to others. And please use us, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen.